All right, fellow fact checkers, be sure to head over to Fox and Sons Coffee and check out the best coffee sponsor a guy could ever hope for. And if you use the code FCT for fact check this at checkout, you will get 18% off any order of $25 or more. Also, be sure to check out the subscription packages. And any order of $37.99 or more goes free shipping. Check out the light blend, the dark blend, the uh, medium blend, the electric boogaloo, and the decaf. Be sure to check out Fox and Sons Coffee. So let's start the show. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This podcast. All right, Fact Check This daily, and this is the last one I'll do before we go on vacation. So I will see you in August after today, unless you uh, subscribe to, or unless you're uh, over on Locals and you get the daily stuff, in which case I'll see you tomorrow and Friday as well. But this is the last regular episode for the month, and I thought, in the wake of the Biden administration saying that they were going to consider sending uh, otherwise illegal cluster munitions to Ukraine because Ukraine is doing such a terrible job with uh, their defensive uh, operations and don't seem to be able to hold their own. Uh, I thought it would be good to go through a article from Zero Hedge with that that kind of details the history of our government lying us into wars repeatedly, and this one is honestly no no different than that. Uh, so let's go ahead and we'll jump right into it. This is like I said, this is from Zero Hedge. They lied about Afghanistan, they lied about Iraq, and they are lying about Ukraine. The U.S. public has been conned once again into pouring billions into another endless war. And let's be honest, anybody with half a fucking brain, as soon as the the Afghanistan pullout was done with and we abandoned all of the equipment and everything else and the whole thing was so just horribly botched and mismanaged as soon as that ended nobody with any real sense thought okay like now we're now we're done spending billions of dollars and wasting american lives on these stupid foreign wars that we shouldn't have been involved in to begin with right like everybody was just kind of sitting around waiting for what's the next one what do we get into next and the the idea that the Democrats are anti-war is a complete fucking crock of shit. They're, they are as war hawkish as the neocons, if not more so. So we knew something was coming, and this ended up being the something. Uh, it's being approached slightly differently. We're not dumping, we're not overtly dumping U.S. lives into it the way we were Iraq and Afghanistan but every bit as much money if not more all of the equipment if not more and there are still a lot of U.S. soldiers who are going over there just not at the behest of the U.S. government per se so anyway let's uh let's get after it 
The playbook the pimps of war used to lure us into one military fiasco after another, including Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, and now Ukraine, does not change. Freedom and democracy are threatened. Evil must be vanquished. Human rights must be protected. The fate of Europe and NATO, along with the rules-based international order, is at stake. Victory is assured. The results are also the same. The justifications and narratives are exposed as lies. The cheery prognosis is false. Those on whose behalf we are supposedly fighting are as venal as those we are fighting against. The Russian invasion of Ukraine was a war crime although one that was provoked by NATO expansion and by the United States backing the 2014 maiden coup, which ousted the democratically elected Ukrainian president, Viktor Yanukovych. Yanukovych wanted economic integration with the European Union, but not at the expense of economic and political ties with Russia. The war will only be solved through negotiations that allow ethnic Russians in Ukraine to have autonomy and Moscow's protection as well as Ukrainian neutrality, which means the country cannot join NATO. The longer these negotiations are delayed, the more Ukrainians will suffer and die. Their cities and infrastructure will continue to be pounded into rubble. But this proxy war in Ukraine was designed to serve U.S. interests. It enriches the weapons manufacturers, weakens the Russian military, and isolates Russia from Europe. What happens to Ukraine is irrelevant. Ukraine has always been a, an afterthought in this. Nobody actually gives a flying fuck about any Ukrainians. Uh, the oligarchs and the big business billionaires who are actually getting all of this aid money and then in turn funneling it back to our politicians. Those, those are the only ones anybody's actually concerned about. First, equipping our friends on the front lines to defend themselves is a far cheaper way in both dollars and American lives to degrade Russia's ability to threaten the United States, admitted Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell. Second, Ukraine's effective defense of its territory is teaching us lessons about how to improve the defenses of partners who are threatened by China. It is no surprise that senior officials from Taiwan are so supportive of efforts to help Ukraine defeat Russia. Third, most of the money that's been appropriated for Ukraine security assistance doesn't actually go to Ukraine. It gets invested in American defense manufacturing. It funds new weapons and munitions for the U.S. armed forces to replace the older material that we've provided to Ukraine. Let me be clear, this assistance means more jobs for American workers and newer weapons for American service members. Once the truth about these endless wars seeps into public consciousness, the media, which slavishly promotes these conflicts, drastically reduces coverage. The military debacles, as in Iraq and Afghanistan, continue largely out of view. By the time the U.S. concedes defeat, most barely remember that these wars are being fought. The pimps of war who orchestrate these military fiascos migrate, the migrate from administration to administration. Between posts, they are ensconced in think tanks, Project for the New American Century, American Enterprise Institute, Foreign Policy Initiative, Institute for the Study of War, the Atlantic Council, the Brookings Institute, funded by corporations and the war industry. Once the Ukraine war comes to its inevitable conclusion, these Dr. Strangeloves will seek to ignite a war with China. The U.S. Navy and military are already menacing and encircling China. God help us if we don't stop them. These pimps of war con us into one conflict after another, 
with flattering narratives that paint us as the world's saviors. They don't even have to be innovative. The rhetoric is lifted from the old playbook. We naively swallow the bait and embrace the flag, this time blue and yellow, to become unwitting agents of our self-immolation. Since the end of the Second World War, the government has spent between 45 to 90 percent of the federal budget on past, current, and future military operations. It is the largest sustained activity of the U.S. government. It has stopped mattering, at least to the pimps of war, whether these wars are rational or prudent. The war industry metas, uh, metastasizes with the bowels of the American empire to hollow out from the inside. The U.S. is reviled abroad, drowning in debt, has an impoverished working class, and is burdened with a decayed infrastructure as well as shoddy social services. Wasn't the Russian military, because of poor morale, poor generalship, outdated weapons, desertions, a lack of ammunition that supposedly forced soldiers to fight with shovels, and severe shortage, uh, supply shortages supposed to collapse months ago? And I think it was more than just months ago. It was, they were talking about this like before the end of 2022. Wasn't Putin supposed to be driven from power? Weren't the sanctions supposed to plunge the rubble into a death spiral? Yeah, I've been waiting for those sanctions to to prove any any sort of uh, deterrent to Russia to continue this. Like you would think if those sanctions were actually working for as long as they've been in place, that Russia would have, I don't know, been like, hey, like, sorry, we, we fucked up here. Please lift some sanctions. Instead, they use those sanctions to turn around and just absolutely punch a bunch of the European countries in the face when it came time for them to uh, start heating their houses in the winter because winter's kind of fucking brutal over there. And most of those countries are so reliant on Russia for their energy supply that it was, they, they, they spun these, they spun these sanctions back around on the ones who were sanctioning them. It was pretty impressive. Wasn't the severing of the Russian banking system from SWIFT the international money transfer system, supposed to cripple the Russian economy? How is it that inflation rates in Europe and the United States are higher than in Russia, despite these attacks on the Russian economy? Wasn't the nearly $150 billion in sophisticated military hardware, financial and humanitarian assistance pledged by the U.S., EU, and 11 other countries supposed to have turned the tide of the war? How is it that perhaps a third of the tanks Germany and the U.S. provided were swiftly turned by Russian mines, artillery, anti-tank weapons, airstrikes, and missiles into charred hunks of metal at the start of the vaunted counteroffensive? Wasn't this latest Ukrainian counteroffensive, which was originally known as the Spring Offensive, supposed to punch through Russia's heavily fortified front lines and regain huge swaths of territory? How can we explain the tens of thousands of Ukrainian military casualties and forced conscription by Ukraine's military. Even our retired generals and former CIA, FBI, NSA, and Homeland Security officials who served as analysts on networks such as CNN and MSNBC can't say the offensive has succeeded. By all accounts, it hasn't. The only success was that the... Uh, oh, shit. The Wagner Group pulled back and moved over to Russia for a brief period of time to or move to uh, uh, Moscow for a brief period of time while they had the, the whole coup was going on. And then that all got sorted out. And now everybody's 
back to back to getting it on with the war. I mean, when you're only when when your only real success in your counteroffensive was uh, the fact that a large portion of your opponent pulled back of their own free will to to go have a coup and then came back by the end of the weekend uh you're you're not you're not making up a whole lot of ground there and what of ukrainian democracy are we we are, and what of the ukrainian democracy we are fighting to protect why did the ukrainian parliament revoke the official use of minority languages including russian three days after the 2014 coup how do we rationalize the eight years of warfare against ethnic Russians in the Donbass region before the Russian invasion in February of 2022? How do we explain the killing of over 14,200 people and the 1.5 million people who were displaced before Russia's invasion took place last year? How do we defend the decision by President Vladimir Zelensky to ban 11 opposition parties, including the opposition platform for life, which had 10% of the seats in the Supreme Council, Ukraine's unicameral parliament, along with the Sherry Party, Nashi, Opposition Bloc, Left Opposition, Union of Left Forces, State, Progressive Socialist Party of Ukraine, Socialist Party of Ukraine, Socialist Party of Vladimir Saldo Bloc. How can we accept the banning of these opposition parties, many of which are on the left, while Zelensky allows fascists from the Svoboda and the right sector parties, as well as the Benarite Azov Battalion and other extremist, mil extremist militias to flourish. Why doesn't mainstream media talk about the fact that while they are all about anti-fascism and all about how Russia or how Putin is this, you know, fascistic tyrant, Zelensky is actually actively suppressing progressives who would be anti-war and who would push for peace while promoting all of the far-right Nazis in his own country. Why don't they talk about any of that? It's an, it's, it's a, it's an inconvenient truth that they don't want to face. How do we deal with the anti-Russian purges and arrests of supposed fifth columnists sweeping through Ukraine, given that 30% of Ukraine's inhabitants are Russian speakers? How do we respond to the neo-Nazi groups supported by Zelensky's government that harass and attack the LGBT community, the Romana population, anti-fascist anti protests, and threaten city council members, media outlets, artists, and foreign students? How can we countenance the decision by the U.S. and its Western allies to block negotiations with Russia to end the war, despite Kiev and Moscow apparently being on the verge of negotiating a peace treaty? And honestly, the more that we talk about all the uh, the terrible and fascistic things that Zelensky and his regime are doing in Ukraine, the more I kind of start to think maybe I'm actually on their side, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the war needs to end before, before we figure out whose side we're really on, right? Uh, at least get the put an end to the, the nonsensical violence. I reported from Eastern and Central Europe in 1989 during the breakup of the Soviet Union. NATO, we assumed, had become obsolete. President Mikhail Gorbachev proposed security and economic agreements with Washington and Europe. Secretary of State James Baker in Ronald Reagan's administration, along with the West German Foreign Minister Hans Dietrich Genscher, 
assured Gorbachev that NATO would not be extended beyond the borders of a unified Germany. We naively thought the end of the Cold War meant that Russia, Europe, and the U.S. would no longer have to divert massive resources to their militaries. The so-called peace dividend, however, was a chimera. If Russia did not want to be the enemy, Russia would be forced to become the enemy. The, simp the pimps of war recruited former Soviet republics into NATO by painting Russia as a threat. Countries that joined NATO, which now include Poland, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, Albania, Croatia, Montenegro, and North Macedonia, reconfigured their militaries, often through tens of millions in Western loans, to become compatible with, military, with NATO military hardware. This made the weapons manufacturers billions in profits. The peeling back the layers of this onion and seeing how deep U.S. military industrial complex issue uh, uh, influence goes into everything that's gone on for the past 40, 50, 80 years is fucking insane. It was universally understood in Eastern and Central Europe following the collapse of the Soviet Union that NATO expansion was unnecessary and a dangerous prov provocation. It made no geopolitical sense, but it made commercial sense. War is a business. In a classified dis diplomatic cable obtained, by release, uh, obtained and released by WikiLeaks, dated February 1, 2008, written from Moscow and addressed to the Joint Ch Chiefs of Staff, NATO-European Union Cooperative, National Security Council, Russia-Moscow Political Collective, Secretary of Defense, and Secretary of State, there was an unequivocal understanding that expanding NATO risks conflict with Russia, especially over Ukraine. Not only does Russia perceive encirclement by NATO and efforts to undermine Russia's influence in the region, but it also fears unpredictable and uncontrolled consequences, consequences which would seriously affect Russian security interests, the cable read. Experts tell us that Russia is particularly worried that the strong divisions in Ukraine over NATO membership, which with much of the ethnic Russian community against membership, could lead to a major split involving violence or, at worst, civil war. In that eventuality, Russia would have to decide whether to intervene, a decision Russia does not want to have to face. So like, we've been talking about how this has like, been cooking up since 2014. It, it actually started way before that. This is not some new thing that just cropped up out of the blue in February of 2022. Dmitry Trenin, Deputy Director of Carnegie Moscow Center, expressed concern that Ukraine was, in the long term, the most potentially destabilizing factor in U.S.-Russian relations. Given the level of emotion and neural neuralgia triggered by its quest for NATO membership, the cable read. Because membership remained divisive in Ukrainian domestic politics, it created an opening for Russian intervention. Trenin expressed concern that elements within the Russian establishment would be encouraged to meddle, stimulating U.S. overt encouragement of po opposing political forces and leaving the U.S. and Russia in a classic confrontational posture. The Russian invasion of Ukraine would not have happened if the Western alliance had honored its promises not to expand NATO beyond Germany's borders and Ukraine had remained neutral. The pimps of war knew the potential consequences of NATO expansion. War, however, is their single-minded vocation, 
even if it leads to a nuclear holocaust with Russia or China. The war industry, not Putin, is our most dangerous enemy. And this is like Afghanistan and Iraq. If you and the whole Taliban and Al Qaeda and ISIS and everything else, like if you go and you look and you peel back all of the layers, this is all stuff that's been cooking up for decades. It's been in the works for 20, 30 years. They've been picking people out and putting people in place, poking the right bears here and there, extending their reach just a little bit further, for progressively getting closer to forcing somebody's hand and to making things into an untenable situation where war is inevitable. This is the game plan. This is the strategy. This is what they do. The war machine keeps churning because they keep fucking with the world stage. They keep pushing regime change. I, I think I saw the um, Biden wants Assad out. Like, they're going to keep going after China via Taiwan. They're going to keep going after Russia via Ukraine. They're going to keep poking at Iran. They're going to keep doing these things. Not because there's evil in the world and we need to go be the world's police and bring about safety and security and honor and dignity and what the fuck ever else. Freedom for everybody. No, they're doing it because the more they do it, the more money they can print to keep doing it. The more they get rich, the more power they have. That's it. The whole thing is a giant money grab, giant power game. If you haven't been paying attention, it's time to start. The whole Ukraine-Russia thing. There's not a good guy and a bad guy. Ukraine aren't the good guys. Russia's not the bad guys, and it's not vice versa. It is the military industrial complex run by this government, by our U.S. federal government. Not whoever, whatever dipshit sitting in the fucking White House, but the people in Congress. The people who have been doing this stuff for fucking decades. They are the enemies. They are the bad guys, period. The ones who drive the war machine forward at perpetuity are the bad guys. They're the ones who need to be stopped. Not Russia, not China, not Iran. The motherfuckers in Washington, D.C., the CIA, all of them. They are the ones who have to be stopped. They are the unique evil that is spreading terror across the world. That'll do it for today. I will be back on August 1st. Actually, I don't think it's August 1st. I think it's August 2nd. Yeah. Uh, I will be back on August 2nd with a brand new episode. And until then, I hope everybody has a great rest of your month. Uh, if you feel like you're not going to get enough uh, of your Justin content for the month, 
by this being the last episode until August, you can always come over to Locals and check out tomorrow and Friday's daily episodes and go back through and scroll through all of the dailies I've been putting out since the first of the year. There are so many. I, I don't even know how many. It's virtually uncountable, but they're all there. So go check them out. That'll do it for me. Again, hope you have a great rest of your week, a great rest of your month. I will see you later. Before you go, make sure you check out our great sponsor, Agorist Acres. Now, agoristacres.com, you can find over 100 varieties of seeds. They've got vegetables, flowers, all kinds of stuff. They've got heritage brands, everything that you want to start any kind of garden that you need. It's free shipping on any order of $20 or more. They've got cool packaging, and most of the seeds come in a fancy glass vial, no paper envelopes. They accept U.S. dollars and crypto and can easily take either at checkout. Now, be sure to head over to agoristacres.com, and anything that you get, use the promo code FCT at checkout for 10% off your order. I say all the time that you need to be starting your own garden, you need to be growing your own food, you need to be getting off the grid and becoming less dependent on grocery stores and stuff like that. Agorist Acres is a great first start. They have got everything you need for whatever kind of garden you want. Great people, great product, highly recommend. So go check them out. Yeah.